I feel like we are just getting such a a beautiful picture of Christ and his kingdom and what is being proclaimed to all the people. The what? The gospel, which is good news. Good news has come, and Jesus is proclaiming it all over. And we see this week, we'll see a bunch of um, different responses, different and varied responses to that proclaiming of the good news. And I, uh, as we go, I just wanted us to see and just to keep in mind as we are reading the parables and, and of what Christ is doing to keep our ears and eyes open for that proclamation of the good news and what it is saying, and how how we are learning, and how Christ is teaching about his kingdom, the kingdom of God. It's kind of what we're learning here, this new kingdom that is coming. Christ, his being present on earth, it's here. He's ushering it in. And remember, we're living in the, at this time, they're living, and at the same, and today, we're living in the here, and now, and the not yet. Right? So his kingdom is ushered in. Christ has ushered it in. And it is going, but, but there's still even more to come. So that's kind of an overview of where, we're be, where we've been. And as we come to our Matthew 11, Matthew 11 and 12, we see that Jesus is coming here and he is teaching here and confirming who he is. He is confirming who he is. And he's confirming who he is, we're going to see through scripture, through the working of the Holy Spirit, and through his teaching. He's confirming who he is. And we started with, he started with a a question from John the Baptist. John, who has given his whole life to serving God and preparing the way for the Messiah. Right? He was the voice in the wilderness crying out, make way for the Lord, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. I'm not fit to untie his sandals. He is the one, the promised one. So John's disciples come. Now when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ. So now John has heard of everything Christ is doing. What would that be? The works of Christ. His healing. His teaching. The power of the Holy Spirit, the miracles. John's hearing it all. And he sent word by his disciples and said to Jesus, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? I think, wow. He... He was proclaiming the way he saw when Jesus walked to him. There is the Lamb of God. And he just wants confirmation. This is the expected one. 
I did my job well, right? I heralded for the correct one. And I love Jesus' answer. Because he knows John. He knows that John has walked with God, knows God's word, knows what, would, what was said of the one who would be to come, right? And so Christ answers him with scripture. From the, books of Isaiah, from the book of Isaiah. Where in Isaiah it says that the deaf will hear One version says that their ears would be unstopped. That the blind would see, that their eyes would be opened, that they would come out of their gloom and darkness. Ladies, out of the gloom and the darkness and the heaviness. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. He has come to give light. He has come to give hope. The meek, which we've heard about before, right? Isaiah is saying that they will obtain fresh joy in the Lord. This this new kingdom that Christ is bringing in, he's bringing good news. The good news brings joy. The poor exalt in the Holy One of Israel. The lame leap like a deer. The tongue of the mute. What does the tongue of the mute do in that? I loved it. They sing for joy. Their response is praise. He strengthens the hands and the knees. Kind of the the working or if you're weary. Calms an anxious heart. That's what Isaiah is saying. The one is going to do. Is John's heart just a bit anxious? Maybe. It just touched me because I thought, he's using this verse. And he's calming the anxious heart, saying to his friend, I am the one. From way back then. That verse in Isaiah says, Be strong, fear not. Behold your God. He will come and save you. Jesus is the one. He is making it so clear. Right? The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. By the Lord he has anointed me to bring Good news to the poor. This is all in Isaiah. And Jesus answers his friend with these verses, confirming who he is, confirming to John, confirming to John's disciples. Maybe they weren't sure. Now John's in prison and who are we going to follow? And with this answer, it's like Jesus Jesus is the one, the only one. 
and all those who heard, who knew the scripture. It couldn't be more clear what Jesus is claiming. He's reiterating who he is. Reiterating who he is. And as he's teaching them and going on, he's also reminding them later on in the scripture in um, Matthew that something greater than the temple is here. Did you read that part? Something greater than the temple. What did they do at the temple, the Jewish people? Everything. It was their life. Everything revolved around that. That's where they uh, brought sacrifice that they should be made right with God. They heard teaching. Their whole life was bringing sacrifice and money and who sat where in the temple and their whole life centered around the temple. Something greater than the temple is here? Jesus is saying, it's me. It's me. Your whole life should revolve around me. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Even as we read, as they were, the Pharisees were nitpicking on what they could and couldn't do and what was work on the Sabbath and they shouldn't do anything on the Sabbath. And Jesus, as he comes in, as we saw, what did he reiterate with his teaching there as far as his challenging their, their heart that is so caught up in the checklist that is so caught up in the checklist that they miss the heart of God. And Jesus comes, I am greater than the temple. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. He, he is clear, ladies. Here we must realize that what he is saying, he, he is not, it's really not mysterious. And to the people who are listening, it's, as we're going to see in just a moment, it's like driving a wedge in the sand. Do you believe it or not? It's, it's an either or. He's, he's leaving no room for, there's no murkiness about what he is saying of who he is. Saying, I know what the Sabbath is for. He overrides their notions about what the Sabbath should be. They heard the answer to John. He is confirming over and over who he is. He said, don't you know, you didn't understand what? That God desires mercy. God desires compassion over sacrifice. That is the heart of the kingdom. That is the heart of, of his teaching of, of like what the new kingdom is. The heart is the fact that mercy has been lavished upon you 
Jesus Christ is here. The new kingdom is come. The good news through Jesus Christ. God has extended mercy that you would be reconciled to him. That you would not have to fear. That your, your heart would not have to be anxious. That he would bring you from the darkness into the light. And they missed it. That mercy that God just pours so much over us. I can't even think of a big enough word. Just that, that whole, you know, when, when that craze was when everybody would dump that bucket of ice water on themselves for that thing. Okay, well, just think of it as like it, this roof caving in because there's so much water and it just dumps off. That's God's mercy on us. A wave so big that it just takes you over and tumbles you and tumbles you. God's mercy just knocks you right over. It's to fill us up then that we respond back to him with, with what? Our whole life. And then we still look and say, I'm sorry, that's all I've got. You deserve so much more. It's to fill us up and come out all over everybody around us. That's the heart of the new kingdom. And they've missed it because they're so looking at their checklists. And their checklists, what's right and wrong and black and white and only this, only this, only this way. It hardens their heart and it blinds their eyes. And it closes their ears. Because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he, he says, of course we would do mercy and compassion on the Sabbath. Every day. Scripture about him being the chosen servant. Again, through Scripture. And did you get it's to fulfill what the prophet said? Did you mark that? Remember, we were looking at all the ways that and Scripture, and this was done in order to fulfill what was said by the prophets. So much. It's just packed with it. And here he is, doing miracle after miracle, miracle after miracle, having it proclaimed over, showing through the scripture. And then he's casting out demons of the devil, the evil one. People, people knew who it was that these people were possessed by. They're not... They're not ignorant of that. And here he is. Casting out spirits. Giving freedom 
bringing people out of their darkness and their chains and into the light. The good news. And the Pharisees. Remember, their eyes are closed. Their ears cannot hear. Their hearts are like stone to the mercies and the workings because it has to be this. We're so following the law that we've come way off, way off track. We've lost the whole meaning of it all. And they're questioning. They're actually, they are so blind that they are seeing the work of the Holy Spirit right before them. And they are actually choosing. They would rather believe that Jesus is working in cahoots with Satan to crumble his own kingdom, his own stronghold, than to actually believe that Jesus is who he said he is, which he's very clear about, and that it is the Spirit of God working. I love that verse in verse 28 of chapter 12. When Jesus said, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Then if you go there, if if you realize of who I am doing that, then you would have to agree that the kingdom of God is here. The son of man, God in the flesh is with you. like you're holding your breath. What will they choose? How could they not see? How could it not soften their heart to see the great mercy of God and his goodness and his power? But their pride would not allow it. Their pride would not allow it. How sad. How so, so sad. They are seeing evidence of the spirit work. They are observing miracles. They are seeing unmistakable evidence and still rejecting. That's when Christ, right after that, that's when he talks about the unforgivable sin, rejecting the work of the Spirit. Seeing evidence. Are we before him or are we against him? We're either one or the other. Remember back what we studied last week in chapter 10 and how Christ said, I didn't come to bring peace on earth, but I came to bring what? Do you remember? 
A sword. Very good. I, I came to bring a sword. Two things I want you to think about that. A sword divides. Because here it is, just like this. You and I. The whole world. We'll have to look and stand at this place. Is he who he said he is or not? That's it. And that's what divides households. That's what can divide friendship. That, that's what Christ's meaning is when he is saying that is what is dividing. And you might be thinking, but I thought he was the prince of peace. He said he was coming to bring peace. Did, did you catch in the verse where he says, I did not come to bring peace on earth. He came, what did he come for? What is the good news? Peace with God. He has come to bring peace between us and God. And that peace between us and God gives us peace in our hearts. And we are to bring that peace and that joy and that good news to the world. And that moves in others' hearts and minds where they now have peace with God. And that we can look to have peace with each other. There will be a time. Christ will be coming back. And, and it will, he will bring peace to everything. That's in the not yet. Can we not wait for that moment? Friends, let's not choose poorly. What will we choose as we go on day to day? And I just think as these trials of the world come, and it might not be that we were looking to, oh, I deny that God exists. I deny that he works. I deny that. But where are the areas in our life where we wonder or our hearts become anxious because we forget who he said he was. And, and we're looking at what's surrounding us and saying, this is stronger than who he said he is. Or I'm having to wait too long. My endurance is getting weary. Stay firmly planted in the truth of who Christ is. Let's know who he is. That beautiful verse, uh, verse 34, not the first part's not so pretty, um, of 12. You brood of vipers. <laughs> so, okay, that's not the best part. <clears throat> How can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Or another way, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Friends, I just, this one is one of those verses that I go over and over through my whole life. We need to listen to what we're saying. 
What's coming out in our homes, in our relationship, in our prayer with God? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, what's abundant in your heart? Is it the truth about who Christ is? Is it the hope of what's coming and the not yet? Or is it, is he really good? Does he really love me? Could he really do this? What's filling up your heart today? Use this as a little checkpoint week after week, especially if there's a lot of strife. I just find I have to sit back and say, or if a lot of discontent, I've been feeling that just a lot of anxiousness lately. There's some things I've been praying for that have not come to pass, and I'm starting to get a little panicked about it. And my poor husband comes home, and I'm like, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this. He's like, whoa, whoa, just a second, honey. And I just had to catch myself, and I was thinking, what is my heart filled with? It's filled with anxious thoughts. It's filled with God, how come you're not? And, and what, what comes just behind the how come you're not? Do you really love me? Do you really care? Do you really have the good in mind? Or is it really as good as what I think would be good? Am I trusting in your goodness versus what I think the goodness would be? Wow, my heart is so full of those things. I just had to come before him and say, I'm so sorry. Take me back to what I know to be true. You are good. I'm reading right here that you have come, that the, that the lame may walk and jump and that there is joy. I'm reading right here in your word about how you, God, you know our heart and in your kingdom, in your kingdom as the righteous Didn't we see in the parable of the weeds and the net and the leaven just how the righteous and the unrighteous live together in the world, right? It doesn't mean that that because we are come to Christ and we are kingdom women that we're going to be taken out of that world at this moment. Who knows the heart? God knows. God knows. God knows the heart. And sometimes we might even feel, I would think then, they they couldn't even have a a vision of what God's kingdom, what what would that mean? What is that going to look like? And God is comparing it to a a mustard seed. But it's not the seed that he is saying is the kingdom, right? We want to look at the whole thing, that the mustard seed being the tiniest grows into the biggest. That's what he is saying about the kingdom, is, is especially at that point as it was just starting. But what is to come? is that it's going to be the biggest. It's going to just expand. You would never have thought the two would go together. But that's the kingdom for you. 
That's the kingdom for you. And God sees the heart. God sees the heart. God knows the wheat from the tares. He knows the good fish from the bad fish. God knows his own. God knows his own. Something I thought about um, just in the missing out part of thinking of how when I, I'm anxious or have other things going on in my heart, how, how that can cause me to miss uh, the working of the Spirit somewhere else. Why? Because I'm blinded and deaf and distracted. And it made me think of when Christ was talking about his hometown. And he was going to go there, and they were all questioning and bringing up, isn't he just a carpenter's son? And, uh, and we knew him, and we know his family, and so we're not going to listen to him. And it said there, it said there that he did not do any mighty works. He did no mighty works. He did not do many miracles. He did no mighty works because of their unbelief. Oh, how sad is that? Jesus is healing people all over. He's proclaiming the good news and he did nothing in the town because of their unbelief. They missed it. They forfeited hearing about Jesus and his power. Because their expectations were, were not met. They were so different. And I just think, I don't want to miss the mighty works of God in my life. Because my expectations of him were different. I don't want my heart to get hard. Because my expectations of who I thought he, he would be or what I thought he would do are different. I want to go back to who he is and dig my roots deep in that. Because that brings joy, as we found in the parable of the treasure and the pearl. Great joy. The value of the kingdom is unsurpassed. Jesus is above all. It's like how we learned last week. How we are, as he said, if you don't hate your family, you need to love me more, right? And I think that sometimes we look at that. What is he saying? He's saying Jesus above all. God first. We love God with our whole hearts, mind, soul, and strength. And then we love others. But Jesus is always above all. He is worth everything. When the man finds the treasure, it is with great joy that he goes and sells everything to come back and get it. Right? The pearl 
sells everything to gain it. It is not the treasure or it is not the pearl. It is God's gift of peace and reconciliation. It's the joy. It's the good news. It's the gospel. And I think, Lord, is that bringing joy? Is that bringing joy to my life? Is my heart overflowing with that joy? Friends, let's look to that. Let's remember that. Let's go back to that and remember over and over that Christ called us himself to come to him. Didn't he? Come to me, all ye who are weary. Come to me, who are burdened, heavy laden, who are weary. Is anybody weary and burdened today? Come to me. Does he say, come to me, learn from me? Let's not miss that in his in his calling come to me learn from me and what does he give he gives us rest he gives us his teaching his gentleness rest for our souls compassion for you and for me And it was Jesus himself who was going out, ladies, just know in in all the parables and his teaching and when he's talking to the people, he is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom that you can have peace with God through Christ, through Christ who calls us to himself, that he can give rest to our souls. That is the good news. And I pray that as we read his word, that we will come to it over and over and over again. Jesus loves you. He's come to give everything for you. He is the treasure. We can never go wrong by giving everything we have to know him and to love him and to follow him and to obey him and to serve him and to praise him all the days of our life. May it be so for you and me this week. Amen.